Learn Scared presents Color Horns, Episode 1, Tentacles. The journal I'm about to read dates from early 1927. At the time, I resided in Los Angeles with Osho Kenshin at his temple. After the Academy School's first graduation and its surrounding events, I felt an unease. I despise unease. My agitation came from a very specific source. I saw something that I had never seen before. That rarely happens. I've walked this planet for over 3,300 years, well at the time of this journal. I've seen all there was to see, or so I thought. In the journal before this one, I outlined the events that surrounded the first Academy school graduation. If you remember, one of our antagonists was a shapeshifter. That fact was nothing that jarring. In that same journal, you were introduced to both Mare and Dean, both shifters who were good people. This antagonistic shifter caused me no alarm due to what he was, but rather what he changed into. In that last journal, I spoke of hearing noises emanating from a room a few doors down. I ran into that very room only to be surrounded by an abundance of writhing tentacles. So many tentacles reaching, slithering, and whipping at the floor. In the midst of them all was a giant eye. The creature peered at me as if reaching out for me. I had never seen a creature like it in all of my long life. Not seeing what I beheld that evening ever before was concerning, but more alarming was the fact that this shifter had seen it at some point in his life. The creature had to be real. You see, those of us better acquainted with the paranormal can tell you that shifters can only change into creatures and people they actually observe. None of their changes come from pure imagination. Thus, this shifter taught me something that evening. A massive beast with 20 tentacles and one giant eye lurked out there. At this journal's beginning, I clearly see that the creature obviously stayed with me in my mind's eye. Its presence is felt in pages scrawled during the early mornings, each documenting a different nightmare, one after another, each more terrifying than the last, each with this creature seeking me, reaching for me. I then wrote in the journal that I spoke with Kenshin about these nightmares. He went on in his uh, sage-like ways to tell me that fear is unwholesome. It's bad for your health. 
It's even bad for your moral well-being. He knew seeing what the shifter had changed into was a joyless experience, but I mustn't dwell upon being amidst those tentacles. He went on, but I tuned him out. I was game to leave things at that, but alas, he told our friend Headmistress Webb of the Academy School. Webb told me that if I was so alarmed by the shifter's impersonation of the creature, I should imagine the horror that people experience when coming into contact with the real creature. I honestly could have cared less, but Webb had a way of making one care. Kenshin and Webb shared an interest in the well-being of others. I have been fighting that urge for centuries. My attempts at helping Headmistress Webb and her academy school with the mysteries that pervaded them outed me as a caring individual. Deep down. Very, very deep down. Kenshin and Webb went on to discuss if I should seek out the real creature. Webb exclaimed that I should face my fears. Kenshin believed I would be moving too quickly towards a solution to end my anxiety. Perhaps I should wait until the creature found me. I thought that was a horrible idea. I finally grew tired of their bickering and said, Fine, I will find the creature. I will save whatever poor little children the creature is about to eat. The journal tells me that the tentacle dreams became less frequent since that conversation, yet they were still frightening. In the following pages, I go on about how Kenshin discussed possible ways to track down the creature. We landed on an obvious connection, the shifter that turned into the creature in the first place. What if I found him and simply asked, where did you see this thing? That created an obstacle. The shifter and his partner were taken into federal custody and locked away. It seemed as if we were at a dead end. Kenshin went on to lead his students in their Zen practice, being a Zen monk. While Webb had been a regular student, Susan had become a new student. She was a friend of mine for a good long time. She was a circus performer and most recently became involved in the mess surrounding the academy school graduation. Not very involved, but a tinge so. After their practice, Susan and Webb stayed for coffee. Webb asked, have you made progress on finding that horrible creature? Susan was out of the loop and we updated her. She said she knew a possible way to track the shifter down. She knew someone in Los Angeles, a parapsychologist by the name of Esther Brooks. He was an ordinary psychologist who had studied her. He was interested in the psychology behind Susan swallowing swords, the mind over matter of it. Susan and Esther Brooks engaged in a little small talk and he told her he dabbled in parapsychology and worked here and there for the government. Now, I know parapsychology is a big word, but it basically means the study of mental powers. I think it's a bunch of hooey. Nonetheless, we visited Esther Brooks. Susan Webb and Kenshin forced me into the horrid little car Susan borrowed from her friend Marty the Clown.
We arrived at the university where S. Brooks was teaching. We sat in uncomfortable leather chairs. I didn't find S. Brooks very impressive. He was one of those professorly professors. Susan introduced everyone to Esther Brooks but me. They acted as if this whole thing was about Kenshin, like he was the one having the nightmares and such. Esther Brooks knew his stuff, I could tell. He kept looking at Kenshin with disbelief. He didn't believe this was about Kenshin. Finally, Susan came out with it and explained about the shifter and the tentacles. That Kenshin, I am using air quotes here, that Kenshin actually saw the creature in Kenshin's nightmares in real life. Esther Brooks made her promise that if our bunch got anywhere with our search for the creature, we would let him know. Kenshin promised. With that, Esther Brooks stood up and went to a bookshelf on the far side of his office. He slid a finger across the spines of a handful of books before pulling one down. He walked the book over to his desk and sat. He flipped through some pages intently. They were all handwritten. It was a log of sorts, and finally the professor said, Ah. He plucked a small piece of paper from a small notebook and began writing down some information upon it from the log. A name, an address, a telephone number. He handed it to Susan. He said, If this person you seek is what you say he is, the government would be holding him at this location. They get a bit jumpy. Please call first. Tell them of my involvement. They'll speak to you then. After a few days, Kenshin and Webb went and sat with the shifter and his detainers. After their conversation, they called Susan and I. Kenshin informed me that the shifter was in fact a Gru agent, as we had believed. You have no doubt heard of the KGB. Well, Gru was the Russian spy organization that came before them. Kenshin said that the shifter who went by Oleg was stationed in Miami prior to the Great Miami Hurricane. That made sense if you think about the events surrounding the Academy School graduation. Yet, even before that, Oleg was stationed on the island of Puerto Rico. It was there that Oleg had seen the 20 tentacled, one-eyed monster of my nightmares. Oleg had told them that if these creatures were things that Kenshin had interest in, Puerto Rico was the place to go. The island was practically covered in monsters. <laughs>